to the ISA's Arborviews podcast, a series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. Today I'm joined by Jimmy Cobbs, the Senior Sales Specialist for Dow Agro-Sciences and a long-time forestry expert. Today Jimmy will be talking to us about the environmental impacts of some common non-herbicidal brush control methods and whether they're more environmentally friendly than other methods as is often claimed. Well, welcome, Jimmy. And uh, first off, what are common non-herbicidal brush control methods? Common methods that are recommended or used would include mechanical treatments, but then there's other areas where neighbors and others recommend plastic sheeting, plastic weed cloth. There's a whole area where people call natural herbicides, even though it is a chemical. A lot of people will call that non-chemical. There's torches. Uh, actually just manual cutting with a machete or a saw or grazing animals would be the common ones. Okay, and why are these methods often used or recommended? Well, from two viewpoints, from a utility may not have the knowledge or the experience to use herbicides, they may not know how to, or a lot of the recommendations are actually coming from neighbors, activists, and others who are afraid of herbicides, whether they have a true activist that's against technology period, we find that we're reacting with utilities to misinform people that think herbicides will, will kill them. That's the kind of people that say, well, herbicides are a nasty chemical, let's use another method to control brush. And although often considered more environmentally safe, what are some of the issues associated with the non-herbicidal methods? Well, if we start looking at the common ones, the first one let's look at is natural herbicides that people somehow call that a non-chemical method even though it uses it. There are some exempt products that the EPA says are natural products can be used. One of these contains clove oil and just looking at this one ingredient there is a consulting firm hired by Marin County, California to find alternatives to herbicides. So these people were trying to justify using clove oil. Their research found clove oil is carcinogenic highly irritating to the eyes, nose, and throat, and you have to use 25 or 30 pounds to the acre. costs $2,400 to do it. So not only is the natural product itself dangerous, how much commerce is done to produce $2,400 an acre? That in itself produces greenhouse gases and, and pollution. So it's a natural product, but it's not any more environmentally friendly than herbicide. So you're looking at a combination of cost effectiveness and the effect on the environment. Generally, most of the herbicidal methods are more cost effective. I really didn't in this paper look at that, kind of looking at, like I say, the environmental impact. When you look at mechanical, it can be short-term cost effective, but again, long cycle it may not be, but people refer to it as non-chemical, but all mechanical methods use fuel, hydraulic fluid, lubricating fluids, these are all chemicals. Most of these methods will actually use more chemical per acre than a herbicidal treatment. And read a gas pump. When you pull up to a gas pump, there's eight or 10 different ways it'll kill you. The word cancer is on the gas pump. It is not a very safe chemical. When ECI and Tufts University studied mechanical clearing versus herbicides, a year later they found fuel, hydraulic fluid, and bore oil in the soil on the mechanically cleared areas where herbicides were used, there were no residues present. 
And what are some examples where a combination of chemical and non-herbicidal methods would offer the most effective and environmentally responsible result? One common one the first people jump to, which I, dis I disagree with, is you should do mechanical clearing around water. Uh, they recommend chainsaws often. One gallon of borrow oil or fuel will pollute a million gallons of water. There's very little data, and most of what's there on fuel and oil is toxic to fish, where many herbicides are labeled for use in water and safe. Probably one of the most common areas that I recommend my customers to not use herbicide is directly uphill of a crop where it's highly visible to a large number of people that might have a problem with it but generally right on a crop or where a uh, power line goes through a crop or other field like that where you have m much border, you're probably better off with a non-herbicidal method there. And how can taking a broader view of the short and long-term effects of the various methods affect an arborist's planning strategy? If you have a bunch of neighbors that are extremely mad at you, demanding you change, from an arborist viewpoint, it might be easy to change from herbicides because they raise the hackles. But in the long term, the university data supports us, the environmental history of herbicides are good, the cost is good. So if you look at a long term, I cannot see how a utility in this country can manage without herbicides. So the short term, if you uh, back off because of public pressure, it might make your job easier that year, but in the long run, you're going to be have a less cost-effective method. Somehow we need to convince the public that herbicides can be used safely. It's very interesting right now, Google and the web, you can Google up non-chemical weed control at home and you will get recommendations for mixing bleach, salt, vinegar, acetic acid, dishwashing detergent, uh, dishwasher soap, and they call that a non-chemical weed control formula. They're all chemicals. Most of them are more toxic than herbicides, so that it is a great public education problem. And what factors are most important when choosing an appropriate management strategy for a given site or project? Most important factors when you look at them is the method you choose has to be effective. I mean, that's the first thing. If it doesn't achieve your goal, you have to identify the problem and be sure you can identify that. You need to look at some threshold. When do I treat brush? Do I treat it when it's two years old or 10 years old? What's going to cost more? What's going to give me greater reliability? After you find it can do the job, you want to find out, I'm going to list them in order, but these are all equally important. The environmental impact, that it's safe for the workers and it's safe for your neighbors. That's probably the next step. The next thing you should look at is cost. But many times that's the first thing looked at. But I mean, the first ones I say, effectiveness, it's safe for you and your neighbors and your workers' cost. And in this day and age, we also need to put in effect on your public relations with your uh, uh, rate payers and all. Okay, well, thanks, Jimmy. That's a, a very interesting summary of some non-herbicidal brush control methods. And thanks for listening to our reviews.